What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today's guest, I'm very happy to welcome into TMT Time, and I'm talking about the founder and CEO of a company called Wirewheel, and Justin and Tony Pillay. Justin, welcome into TMT Time. Evan, thanks so much for having me. Really, really excited to be here with you. Justin is an alum of Arnold and Porter, so I'm happy to get him back in the box and I can ask him really hard-hitting questions. But before I get going, Justin, would you mind introducing yourself for our audience? Sure. Um, first of all, it's great to be here. Um, uh, I'm Justin Antoni Pillay. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Wirewheel. Um, we're a data privacy compliance company. Uh, before I was at Wirewheel, um, I served for uh, the last four years of uh, President Obama's term. Um, I was the uh, acting undersecretary for economic affairs, and I ran the part of the government that includes the U.S. Census Bureau and the Bureau of Economic Analysis, Evan, so like economic agencies, statistical agencies. And I was responsible for some pretty significant privacy issues uh, within the administration and led the discussions with the European Commission on something called the U.S. Privacy Shields, which is one of the major data transfer agreements with Europe. And then, of course, before that, I was with um, Arnold and Porter for more than a decade um, and a partner in the litigation group for um, for the end of that stint. So uh, and I had a great experience at Arnold and Porter. Uh, got to do a lot of really, really neat things. So how did you get from litigation to privacy and going into the White House? So I took a short, I it, during my time at Arnold and Porter, I served in all three branches of government. I, I did a short stint um, as a law clerk two years after I started. Then I went in for a very short period to the Senate um, to work with a friend of mine who was uh, a senator. And I got to know some of the senators from the area and they recommended me into the Obama White House. Um, and uh, my practice area, Evan, actually, when I was at Arnold and Porter was largely in the private equity space. And um, when Secretary Pritzker was nominated to be the um, US Commerce Secretary, one of the things she had done in, in her past was run a private equity fund. And so the presidential personnel office actually introduced me to Secretary Pritzker. And um, that's how I got in uh, working as her. It was originally acting general counsel. And then ultimately, um, we worked together over the over the years doing a number of different things. So. So you are the third former Obama White House staffer of TMT time guests. We had Phil Weiser, who's the AG of Colorado, um, and Ted Chiodo, who is in the communications department in the White House. He's now doing cybersecurity, uh, and you. So, wow, that's some august company, Evan. Thank you yeah, for including me. In that group. You may have been the highest ranking one. I can't uh, figure that out. I don't know about that. I'm so, probably so after you left, leave the White House, you've obviously seen the importance of data privacy, you've seen, I mean, you were there basically when the GDPR was coming about um, and you helped with the privacy shield. What made you start or get the idea to start Wirewheel? That's so, yeah, I had the, I had a lot of luck in falling into dealing with, originally it was 
some of the fallout of the Snowden disclosures. Do you remember those, Evan? Um, that that caused a no. lot of consternation. No, I, <laughs> I mean, it almost <laughs> is quaint now. There's been so much, so much. There's a movie. Stress. There's even a movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I came in a short time after the Snowden disclosures. And so I ended up working closely with the U.S. intelligence community and DOJ in, um, in sort of um, interacting and, and discussing those issues with the European Commission and others that morphed into a privacy set of discussions around what was then Safe Harbor and became Privacy Shield. Towards, you know, so while I was handling that portfolio, um, I, I took over running the Economic and Statistics Administration. And one of the things that Secretary Pritzker and the White House were very focused on was how do you use public data to solve big public problems? And one of the things that um, Secretary Pritzker and the White House were focused on was how do we really modernize the tech stack in the government to be able to use public data responsibly. And in the course of working in that area, I mean, you talk about just learning new things and learning new areas, Evan. We realized, and I realized very quickly, that there were three major transformations going on technology-wise that were gonna really change the way data was handled. For the first one was, instead of companies holding data in their own hard drives and servers, everything was moving to a potential for a cloud deployment. And that meant data that might be in one company was suddenly distributed to a lot of different data centers around the world. That was number one. Number two, it used to be that you would buy software and run it on your own machine, but there was a rise of the software as a service industry, which meant now instead of you running software and collecting that data in your own server, you are now distributing it to all kinds of SaaS services. So now you're distributing data in a third vector. And then we saw a third major change, which is there was a lot of infrastructure around distribution of data within a company or to other companies, API infrastructure and something called interconnection platforms as a service. So you could tell data was going to be distributed so quickly that you needed technology to kind of keep up with it and follow it in the same way. And that was really the inspiration for Wirewheel, which is we could see that privacy was gonna be a global movement, that it was gonna be something that every company had to deal with, but because technology was driving the distribution of data, we wanted to think about ways that you could bring technology to solve that as well. So I, all of that sounds very familiar to me. I represent both a, a virtualized data center or multi-cloud provider, as well as a brick and mortar data center operator. And you are right. Uh, but when you were looking at this, this was almost 10 years ago um, or, you know, eight, nine years ago, which is, was new then. Uh, and now there's data everywhere and it's all we hear about from big tech, but you're talking about public data and the usage of public data in the white house, which is different than that collected by private companies. So where, now, where within that does Wirewheel fit in and what services are you providing and who are you providing it to? So again, great question. So we typically work with private companies and we provide the software infrastructure to deal with two major problems. The first is every company needs to have a privacy sort of experience for their own customers. So when you show up at a site now or a, in a mobile app, 
you need to start telling that company what they can do with your data. You can ask for your data back. You can access and port it. And Wirewheel provides an entire technical infrastructure to do that. So if you go to a lot of company sites and you say, here's who I am and I want my data back, that entire infrastructure looks and feels like another company, but it's all provided by Wirewheel. We verify who you are. Like, check are you talking about the things that I try and get off my iPhone screen as fast as possible when I go to a website? <laughs> Among other things, right? Yes. Like you, if you stop, went to stop. You scroll down. <laughs> How do you offer that service? Is it a, that a SaaS service? It's a SaaS service too. It lets a company inventory their systems see how the data is flowing and then create a pro what's called a privacy impact assessment or the core documents you need to show that you've like kind of done the right thing with the data that's uh that's our privacy operations offering so i have to ask the question what data are you collecting at wirewheel out of the provision of these services we are extremely careful extremely careful with our customers data so there's actually a, a part of our website that's a tr it's called a trust center, and you can see exactly what data we collect. No data is ever used other than to essentially provide our services. So we never sell customer data. We never use anything for any other purpose. So really, everything we're collecting on the platform is really to deliver back the services that we're offering or to protect their data. You can imagine we, we use a lot of great cybersecurity services to make sure it's really being used the right way. So I'm gonna just highlight two examples of interesting tensions between recording data on a public ledger and the clear unambiguous requirements of global privacy laws, okay? One of these examples is, um, most major privacy laws like GDPR or the Brazilian privacy law, they are very, very likely to conclude that when you record a transaction to a blockchain or a public ledger, if you're recording it by reference to a wallet ID, that the wallet ID and that transaction constitutes personal information, okay? So many people say, well, it's anonymous or pseudonymous. Why is that personal information? Well, there's a very clear ruling from the high court in Europe that says, even if you're interacting with web 2.0 using a dynamic IP address, that's still personal information because it can be traced back to you. So I think most people have concluded that when you record a transaction to a public ledger, that's that record as traced back to your wallet ID is personal information. Well, that is then becomes very clearly in tension with the clear requirement of GDPR that you be able to delete information on the request of the requester. Now, I'm going to save this for another discussion, but there is a very good path to actually solve that issue technically, but it does take some technology to tackle it. And there's a couple of paths you can go down to actually make something recordable to a public ledger, but compliant under those critical privacy laws. Another example of something that's in fundamental tension with the privacy laws is, as you know, Evan, it's not only that you're recording data to a single public ledger, but the way that the blockchain works is it's a distributed ledger, and that at any moment on the big public ledgers or blockchains, it's actually replicated in ways 
and in geographies that nobody has control over. You can effectively adopt that, and that's create. That's the entire purpose of a DAO. That's, the that's whole right. Purpose. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But that's intention with the fundamental requirement in GDPR, for example, that if data is going to be transferred from Europe to another country, you have to have what's called a means of transfer. And the means of transfer that exist right now include something called the binding corporate rules or standard contractual clauses or privacy shield, but it can't occur legally without that kind of a framework. So again, there are ways that you can tackle it technically, but the way that a public ledger works does have some really important tension points with, with these with these global privacy laws. So yeah, it's an exciting area. It's a really exciting area and we're, we're looking forward to, to tackling it here. So I'm gonna ask you one last question on this, but save the rest for the another conversation, which we're definitely gonna have. So moving from web two to web three, when you have platform control to decentralized control or no control, do you think the latter is better from a privacy perspective and allows individuals or users to control their data more or does it also concern you? I'd say, I think the, the opportunity in Web3 is huge to bring real governance to the data world. I think there's a lot more opportunity there, Evan, than people realize. The cautionary side of it is the opportunity to bring real governance to this will depend on governance over the, the blockchains that doesn't concentrate the decision-making or power in a way that replicates the current platform. All right. Well, um, we've probably lost all half our listeners. So two of the four. Uh, as fascinating as I personally think this is and want to get more into it. We're run, running up against the timeline, Justin. So I ha I do have one more question though, that like substantive before I ask you a bunch of falaf, I call it. Um, Ex-practicing lawyer, now you're in business, you're an entrepreneur, you guys are obviously, you know, you're backed by funders. Talk about how you were able to make that transition, the pivot, if you will, from being a lawyer, as I say, working by the hour to really grabbing hold of something entrepreneurial and on your own and, and striking out into the world of business. Um, I know this is going to sound corny. I got very lucky starting my career, and I mean this genuinely, at a firm like Arnold and Porter. And I had great mentors and great supporters who thought about my career and advised me to take some risks early and often, you know? I'll just name a few, like David Gersh and Julie Rotenberg. We talked about her earlier. Um, Mike Traeger, you know, John Massaro. Like these, these were just absolutely great folks who thought about it. And um, just I felt cared about us all the way through. I got to do some incredible pro bono work, which I still stay involved in. And I felt like it was a supportive environment um that allowed me to move in and out of government i think in ways that a lot of law firms would never have allowed you know i clerked in west virginia i went and did a stint in the senate they were supportive when i went into the administration so you know it sets you up to think about your career broadly and think about your career as like 
why not take a chance here or there, um, even where it's not clear exactly where that path is going to take you. And um, I'm very grateful for that, really. Um, and then I, I got lucky later. I went into work in the Obama administration under what most people would say was just the best uh, cabinet secretary and secretary Pritzker. Here's a, per, here's a leader who had done a tremendous amount in her own career and established businesses and, I mean, just a powerhouse of, of uh, building businesses and mentoring. But I got very lucky to just join and work with, with her. Um, and, and I mean, there are very few people that get to go into a, a position as a lawyer and end up working and running, a, you know, effectively a business unit, but she was the kind of person that mentored and, and promoted people that way. Um, you know, and then it, you got to roll the dice. Sometimes I started, started the business coming out of it and, uh, you know, it's an exciting field and. We feel very lucky with what we're doing every day. I know our team here at Wirewheel does, you know, so I don't know. It feels feels uh, lucky, but we've had I've had a lot of help along the way from a lot of folks who who cared, you know. All right. Thanks, Justin. So you're a privacy professional and lawyer, and I know you are very heavily involved in thought leadership. I assume you still use the Internet and get on websites and are, have less concerns on privacy. So my first question to you outside of work, what are you watching? What are you streaming? And when you do, are you worried about your data being collected? Oh, I worry about my data all the time. I, I don't, for example, I mean, my, my kids tease me. We don't have any recording Alexa device type stuff in my house, even though I'm kind of a tech, I love that stuff. I don't have any of that. Um, we do. I use a VPN a lot when I'm just, you know, like streaming, we use versions of, um, we use versions of browsers that have as much privacy protection built in and like turn off every version of tracking, but you got to kind of live and a lot of stuff just has it right now. Um, there's a lot of stuff we're streaming. Um, I love the Fargo series that's come out on, you know, FX over the last couple of years. I think these are dark cool. things. You like Ozark? Yeah, I think that's a great series, a really, really great series. Yeah, I don't watch it. Uh, like, yeah, that's it. You, you've identified the theme on my. Yeah. On my yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm going to now get rid of my ring cameras outside as a result of this discussion and stop saving passwords in my google chrome um oh don't do yeah definitely yeah. stop doing that yeah. yeah um all right well justin thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it. this has been a great conversation i love learning about this good luck and best of luck with wirewheel thanks so much evan really enjoyed being here and look forward to catching up with you soon